This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by Financially Fit Business. Go to www.financiallyfit.business to analyze your monthly financial statements, grow your business profitably, and build wealth in less than 10 minutes a month. Thank you for joining us. Here is how we will help your business and you today. How many times do you avoid conversations because it will be a difficult conversation? Do you dread them? Do you hate conversations with team members who have screwed up and you have to have one of those three strikes and your outs talks? How about a customer with a problem? My guest today, Scott Harvey, gives you the tools you can use to, to have those painful, difficult conversations. Scott is the author of Silence Kills, and you can get that on the Contractor Sense website uh, if you'd like to order the book too. Scott, welcome to Contractor Sense. Thank you so much, Ruth. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Um, and, and in terms of full disclosure, both Scott's book, Silence Killed, and my books, um, 101 Dumb Financial Mistakes Business Owners Make, Courage to Be Profitable, and Profitable Wealth, are published by Morgan James. So that's how I found out about Scott. And so they send out an announcement of all the books that are coming out. And I saw it and I went, oh, I went and ordered it. And it was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Oh, my goodness. So let's do a little bit of background because yours is, is pretty interesting and in how you got into having these conversations. Yeah. So today I'm a full-time speaker, trainer, author, coach. That's what I do today. But for 20 years of my life, I was a police officer. And very early on in that law enforcement career, I got trained as a hostage negotiator and a public information officer. So it didn't take me long for me to figure out that in the law enforcement world, I was making my living with communication. I was communicating in crises. I was communicating with the media. I was teaching DARE. I was doing all of those things. And when I had the ability to retire, because when I signed in, it was a 20 year retirement, it's 25 now, but I realized I needed another gig. And so about eight years prior to retirement, I started speaking professionally, using what I had learned as a negotiator, as a DARE officer, as a public information officer, and translating that into school assemblies for teenagers about social media, and then corporate trainings and presentations about how to have uncomfortable, difficult conversations, or more importantly, how to communicate fully so that we can avoid some of these difficult, uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, and, and when you when you titled the book Silence Kills, I look at that and I say, yeah, because if you try and sweep things under the rug, they only get worse. And I can only imagine in a hostage situation or a, a tough situation from a police officer standpoint, it really and truly can be life or death, right? It can, for sure. And, you know, silence kills a lot of things. It can be life or death. It can kill a relationship. It can kill a job. It can kill somebody's self-worth. It just very rarely is silence an okay thing. Now I say that, but my wife and I will drive on, for, on a trip and not talk for an hour or more, but we have years and years of relationship that supports that silence. So in the work environment, you just don't have that, especially if you're a contractor, a team leader or something like that. Your team needs to hear from you periodically, especially when things aren't going like they should be going. Yeah, my, my statement is always, nobody can read your mind. 
That's true. That's true. And I tell my kids, especially they're 22 and 18 now, but I told them growing up, like, if I don't hear from you, I assume you're good. Like, I assume everything is good. If you're not talking to me, I assume it's because everything's okay. If something's not good, please let me know. And we'll work on it. We'll come up with a solution. And we have to be communicating with our team, but we also make have to make our team know it's okay to communicate back up the chain. I expect you to. Yeah. And the other thing is that if a team member sees something that needs to be addressed, the team member can also can't, it's not the right word, but also has to be able to have the confidence that they can talk to their boss without their boss killing them for being the messenger. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we, it's very easy (laughs) to get frustrated with the person who brought the message instead of the issue itself. And as a negotiator, I got that a lot. When I got on the phone with somebody, especially initially, like they were mad. They're yelling at me. They're threatening me. They're threatening my family. I realized they weren't really mad at me. They were just mad. And so understanding that allowed me to not get mad back to them and because the calmer i could remain the quicker we could resolve this conflict and so on a contractor team member standpoint like if somebody's mad there's a really good chance they're not mad at you they're mad at the situation now if we escalate it they can become mad at us very quickly yeah so it just depends on how we handle it how did you you know i always think feel, believe that you can't negotiate rationally when you're emotional. Have you ever seen a time where you could be emotional and the thing came out okay? (laughs) So here's the funny thing about emotion, and I'm glad you brought this up, Ruth. In our brains is a teeter-totter, and on one side of the teeter-totter is emotion, and on the other side is logic and reason. So if you think about how a teeter-totter works, if emotion is high, logic and reason are low every time. This is why we have done highly emotional, made highly emotional decisions that the next day we really try to rationalize them because the next day the emotions in our brain are lower. So as a negotiator, what I did in the beginning was I let them yell, I let them cuss, I let them threaten. I very rarely said much in the first 30 minutes of the conversation. I let them just get it out because The more they processed that emotion and dealt with that and yelled their way through that, the more likely logic and reason were going to re-enter the situation. If I hit them with my imbalance teeter-totter, meaning my emotions are high, we can stay that way for a long time. That's not a good idea. So by letting them (laughs) vent, we can get logic and reason back into the discussion a little bit quicker. Got it. So let's let's now bring this down to a in a situation where an owner, a contractor, a manager, anybody has to have a conversation with somebody who's basically screwing up. Right. And that person starts getting emotional. What should they do? You know, I think there's I have no problem telling people in the beginning, listen, this is going to be awkward. Right. This conversation is going to be uncomfortable, but I want you to be successful here. I think it's how you frame the conversation, Ruth. I think I really want you to be successful. I think you're a valuable member of this team. In order for you to be successful, we have to address this, whatever that is. Right. And they may get upset. They may get emotional. I would recommend you not respond to that emotion. You just might recognize and say, listen, I know this is hard. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm honestly trying to make you better and then give them time. And within an hour or two, maybe the next day, don't be surprised if they don't come to you and say, you know what, you were right. 
nobody's ever challenged me on this before. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized why you did that. And it's because you value me and you want me here as a team member. Whereas if we get emotional to meet their emotions, that's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember my boss doesn't care about me. They just yelled at me, whatever. If we maintain our cool, recognizing and validating their emotions. Listen, I know why you're upset. I get it but I really am trying to make you successful here. So let's push through this, push through this awkward so that we can reach the awesome on the other side. Cool. Very good. All right. Before we take a break, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they do it? The main mothership is speakingofharvey.com. That's got all of my social media channels on it. It's got a contact Scott button on it. If they want to find out more about the book, uh, silencekillsbook.com is the place to go for all of that info. Very good. We will be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. Are you one of the contractors who enjoys getting and analyzing your financial statements each month? If not, it's probably because you haven't taken the time to discover what your profit and loss statement and balance sheet are telling you. And you probably are not making good business decisions based on timely, accurate financial statements. You know you have to do something about this, but where do you turn? Ruth Kings makes your financial statements fun and sexy online course. These easy to understand four sessions explain financial statements in English rather than accounting babble. You'll discover what your financial statements mean and how to analyze them each month. Then you'll have the info you need to spot minor issues and take care of them before they become major crises and run you out of cash. Enroll today. Click on the link in the show notes or call us at 770-729- 0258. Welcome back to Contractor Sense. I am speaking with Scott Harvey, the author of Silence Kills, who is really, really good at negotiating because he did it for 20 years as a police officer. And I don't think you killed anybody during that, have you? I did <laughs> I <just> not, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you learned a lot to be able to use, you know, what you did really does translate into a contractor's office, a manager's role, and, and everything else like that, correct? It, yeah, it for sure does. It's it's the same principles, the same tactics. They work in these high stress, heavy bat situations. They're gonna work when lives aren't on the line. You know, it's been battle tested and battle proven, these tactics that I lay out in the book. Yeah, so, you know, what I would suggest, you know, the thing that I think we talked about a lot before the break is you as the messenger, you know, as a deliverer of the message cannot be emotional, even if the person receiving your message gets emotional, right? Correct. But that doesn't mean we can be the Joe Friday, just the facts, ma'am. And anybody under the age of 40 is not going to get that. They're reference, not going to get that. You know, they're not. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that's one of the problems with policing today is people say, well, they don't care. They're just, you know, they're taking the emotion out of the situation. I would always recognize that. Like, I understand why you're upset. I get it. We're going to push through this and find some good on the other side. So recognizing not being really flat and really emotionless, but also not giving into that emotion. It's a balancing act. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that you bring up in the book is saying that you can, you'll know what to say or what you can say. Do you practice it beforehand? Do you write it down? I mean, how do you prepare for one of these conversations? Now, given we have time to prepare for the conversations, you in your previous life did not. You almost had to do it instantaneously. But, you know, I'm a manager and I have a, a, a situation with one of my team members who's screwing up. I mean, mm -hmm. how do I prepare? What do I do? 
I think you do have to prepare for those type situations. And of course, this goes without saying that conversation with somebody who's screwing up is a private conversation. I'm a big fan of praising in public and correcting in private. So when it's a corrective type action, we're going to have that in a private type setting. But I think you do plan ahead and I think you stick to the situation. Don't get historical. Don't go back. Well, two years ago, you did this and then you did this like today. Like, why are we having this conversation today? And then at the end, how much better can tomorrow be if we fix this issue today? Because I know people I'm the same way. Like I tend to avoid conflict, believe it or not. But at the same time, the, the nicest thing I can do for my team member is to set real clear expectations. And when they're not living up to those expectations to try my best to correct them along the way. It's a lot easier to make minor course corrections than it is to ignore a non-performing team member to a point where you just cut them loose because you're tired of dealing with them. You've never really addressed it. You've never given them a chance to succeed and that's not fair to them. And then you have to retrain somebody else. All right, yeah, agreed. All right, now let's take the other flip side. A customer calls in with a problem, and instead of sweeping it under the rug, like some people I know do, unfortunately, mm. how do you, how, can you really prepare for that? Or is that really a situation where you're almost doing gut reaction type things? So it depends, you know, if they've left a voicemail, you might be able to wait a little bit of time. I'm a huge fan of timeouts because they allow my teeter-totter in my brain to write itself. If I get a voicemail from a client who's really mad and they're yelling, like that imbalances my teeter-totter. That tends to make me emotional. And so if I give myself time to lower that teeter-totter, they've had time for theirs to lower as well. And when you call them back, you're like, I'm so sorry you've had this issue. And they may something say something like, it's not a huge deal. It's just frustrating. Like on their voicemail, it sounded like a huge deal because they got themselves all worked up. Mm -hmm. But if you're taking that call live, I would just encourage you to let them vent, ask open-ended questions, ask things like, how can I help you? Because they called you maybe to vent, maybe they feel better when they've given you a piece of their mind. And then at the end, how can I help you? How can I fix this? How can I make it right? Because the research tells us, People who have problems with a contractor or a hotel room or something that they that then gets fixed, they will actually review you higher than somebody who never had a problem at all. So if you're responsive and corrective to their complaints, they will appreciate you because it feels more personalized than it was if everything went 100% according to plan, which is weird and counterintuitive, but there's research to back this up in the customer service world. Yeah, absolutely. I will, I will tell you the famous or infamous refrigerator refrigerator story real quickly, which backs this up also. Uh, one of my client's installation crew replaced a system while they were on vacation, and they unplugged the freezer, which mm -hmm. now is a no-no, um, mm -hmm. and forgot to plug it back in. Mm -hmm. In the freezer was Alaskan fish that the husband had caught on this trip to Alaska. Mm. So not only did they replace the freezer and, and took care of it and everything else, they had Alaskan fish flown in, which they didn't have to do. Right. And it right. became the story of the neighborhood. And there's like 26 houses in this neighborhood, if I remember correctly. 23 of them went with them to replace their systems. Yeah. yeah. And I don't expect you to do that for everyone, but you do it for one, to your point. And and it gets told so many times that that's how we do business. We do business with people we like, know, and trust. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't expect you to do a perfect job if you are if I'm if you I've hired you as a contractor. I do expect you to answer my phone calls or get back with me in a timely manner, show up when you're supposed to show up and be responsive as things change. And if you do those things, I'm going to recommend you to everybody. Yep, absolutely. And a lot of people do. It was amazing because they, you know, they were aghast that this happened and obviously there's a new policy and procedure that you don't do that anymore but (laughs) yeah and as dumb as it sounds if you'll spend five minutes just chewing the fat with me while you're here like talking about whatever sports whatever's going on in the world like I'm gonna really appreciate that because it shows me the human side of you and that I'm not just a cog in your works I'm just I'm somebody you took the time to connect with right so what would you say to somebody who's absolutely petrified of sticking their toe in and having a difficult conversation, whether it is with a customer or a, you know, a team member? I think you have to ask yourself, you know, what will happen if I don't? Because if you don't have these conversations, chances are things won't get better. They'll actually get worse. You know, maybe you messed something up at a, at a client's house and you think, well, I can just patch this over and not let them know. If they find it later and they feel like you've deceived them, that's a bigger issue than if you would have just said, hey, I nicked your drywall. I'm going to fix it. I just wanted you to know about it. I'm super sorry. And we're going to be really careful. If you just let them know and keep them informed, even though the last thing you want to do is go to them and say you know, that you had some dumb mistake that caused damage to their house. But if you try to cover it up and they find out later, not only will they not call you back for the next job, they'll also let other people know, you know what, they broke something in my house. They didn't even tell me about it. Yeah, that's worse. Yeah. So, all right, final thoughts. I just think that we we live in a world that doesn't like to be uncomfortable. And I get that. But I think these conversations are necessary. They help people like, know, and trust us, which helps our book of business. And it's just a better way to communicate with people. We talk our way through any situation and it gets better. If we shut down communication, people will fill in a narrative that we may never get the opportunity to correct. So it's much better to communicate than it is to try to cover up. Very good. Scott, give us your website one more time. Speakingofharvey.com is where you'll find all things and you can contact me directly through that website. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Ruth. And thanks to all of you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money, too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.